Hi, my name is Gary Myers. And I'm Marilyn Stewart. And we're the host of Answering the Call, the podcast about people who are answering God's call. Some of the most wonderful and eclectic neighborhoods in the nation are found right here in New Orleans. Bywater is one of those eclectic neighborhoods. It's full of personality, but it's not an easy place to share the gospel. In this episode, I talked to Justin Haynes, who leads Refuge NOLA Church in Bywater. Justin talks about his call to this very fun and very artistic neighborhood and tells how he shares the gospel in a place that many of us might be tempted to shy away from. Justin has many good things to share, so here he is. Justin, I'm so glad you're here. I'm talking with Justin Haynes, and uh, you're one of our graduates. Are you going to school still here? Are you in another program? Uh, You got out and you stayed out. I started two or three years ago to work on my master's degree, and then it got sidetracked. So I I haven't started back yet, but I plan to. People are going to understand why as we get into some of the things you're doing, because you have a very busy life, great family, and lots of things going on. So Justin Haynes with Refuge Nola Church, Mm -hmm. and uh, this is down in Bywater, and that's a very unique place here in New Orleans. That's one of our neighborhoods here. So why don't we just start right there? Tell me a little bit about Bywater. What is it like? It's like no other place you've been before. Um, so the way I like to describe the neighborhood that we're in is it is an anything-goes kind of neighborhood. So a real estate agent told me one time that people live in the bywater because they want to do what they want to do, say what yeah. they want to say, believe what they want to believe, act how they want to act, and look how they want to look. So we can all well, just kind of figure out what that means, but um, it's a very much centered on like the arts it's very an expressionable neighborhood so people are expressing themselves in all different kinds of ways visually verbally um just in things that they think but it's just a lot of people say it's just weird um (laughs) well you know when you drive through it right beautiful colors on the houses Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that look very much new orleansy yes but then still have their own flair so it's very colorful i love it Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's unique, very it much unique. unique. And it's called Bywater because it's right along the edge of the Mississippi River. Yes, correct. Okay. Yep. Near the French Quarter? Yes, it's neighbors on one end is the French Quarter, and then on the other end is the Lower Ninth Ward. Okay. So the Bywater's in the Upper Ninth Ward. Okay. So these are names that probably anybody that has heard much about New Orleans might recognize. So it is a very different place, very eclectic, lots of artists, lots of different things. And um, so how did you know that you were called to be a NAM Sin City Church planter in Bywater. Let's tell me about that. Well, it started off whenever I first moved to New Orleans in mm-hmm. 2009 to go to school. I was from the mountains and never really been to many cities for okay. any any long amount of time. And from Georgia. From Georgia, yes. Okay. Um, and when I got here, I was just instantly kind of drawn to like the French Quarter neighborhood and just the people that were a, a bit different, I guess you'd say. And, uh-huh. and I say this to a lot of people, but I'm a little weird myself, so I kind of <laughs> felt felt at home there. But um, basically, in 2015, whenever we moved back here from being in Georgia for about a year's time in between 
seminary and, and church planning, we started the church in Mid-City, which is just, okay. that's where I thought it was going to be. And I, I had some folks tell me that I should go, quote unquote, check out the Bywater because they thought it might be a place that I would be um, interested in church okay. planning at. So okay. I literally kind of just got in my car one day and was like, I'm going to go check it out and pray. And um, I, I got down there to it and, you know, kind of looked at all the 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 vibe the atmosphere all those different kinds of things and i thought this is an interesting place but um i went to an organization in the community that's like a spiritual community center okay um i went in there because those same folks told me to go check this place out i see and when i went in there i saw um basically like some statues and things like that that appeared to be things of worship and instantly it was like the lord just kind of burdened me, broke my heart um, for just the reality that even here in America, people pray to statues and mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. do things like that. And um, I remember while I was thinking that, a guy walked up to one of the statues and laid out a mat, put out all these little trinkets and candles and different things like that. And he started praying like one of the, the most passionate prayers I've ever heard, but it wasn't to Jesus. Um, sure. But he, he did that for some time, and I just kind of stood there and watched. And when he was finished, I, I went and introduced myself and asked him what he was doing. And he said he was praying, and I said, who is he praying to? He said he was praying to some some goddess of the universe or really? something like that. Really? Um, and I asked him what he was praying for, and he said he was praying <laughs> to get direction for a relationship that he was about to pursue. And uh, I later on that day shared the gospel with him and he didn't really want to talk about that sure. but yeah the the way that we we started planning our church down there was at that moment i turned around to to leave this place and uh began to pray as i was going out the door and the lord really just um kind of spoke to me and was, was just like this is where i want this your is church the place and uh this is where i want it to be established in this community and Working in and around this organization that I was in where the statues were located at was a part of that plan. And that's where your church meets now, am I right? Correct. It's the same building? Correct, yes. So, and, and by the way, what's the name of that building? The uh, New Orleans Healing Center. Healing Center, mm -hmm. okay. So your church meets there. Mm -hmm. uh, did you see this young man again? We actually built somewhat of a relationship okay. over the the next couple of years after that, he okay. eventually moved off, sure. uh, moved somewhere else. And, sure. and we continued our gospel conversations, but he never really shown any more interest sure. after that day. But who knows what the Lord might do with that. Absolutely. So this is um, to kind of get that picture. I can see Bywater with its colorful, unique places and, and people maybe with lots of tattoos or the artist look, mm -hmm. bohemian kind of style and here's this place and God calls you right into that place and says here's where I want my church and but it's still you meet there for your church mm -hmm. services but it's still an active business am I right about that yes it's um it's kind of like um well a, a community center type thing okay. but it's it's more shared space okay uh they okay. have a, a barber shop in there a restaurant a gym they have a art gallery, just okay. anything you can think of, they have it in there. So basically, it's a community space where people are always at. Wow. So it, it kind of um, reminds me of Acts 17, I think yes, it is, when Paul right. was in Athens and right. kind of marketplace 
thing. So um, that's kind of what drew that's me exciting. to it. But it was more um, the Lord really just that's just directed exciting. us there, and um, I'm I'm convinced that He's my shepherd, and yes. and I hear His voice, and and I'm certain that that's where we're supposed to be wow. to to do this I love ministry. It. And, and so uh, while you are holding services, are there people in the building doing different things and all that's going on around you, even as you have your service? Yes. So okay. we rent a space inside the building called Cafe Istanbul. Okay. And it's like a performance venue. So okay. um, as we're doing our gathering, we have the, the doors open to the Cafe Istanbul, and people are walking by going to the different establishments and whatnot in there so we have a lot of our guests that uh basically they just stop by the back and and hang out for a minute and listen and and then they'll go on about their way but um yeah people are there doing all different kinds of things every day of the week so well this is uh fascinating now Mm -hmm. i'm going to kind of describe how you look right now okay uh, justin because you are from georgia yes and did i hear you say earlier that you grew up in a farm or you had a farm at one time we were before we moved here kind of living on a family farm kind of thing so we had uh animals and a garden and (laughs) lived out in the middle of a pasture okay kind of thing i thought i'd never leave and so. so here we have this young man from Georgia, mm-hmm. and you have a family. You have six children. Yes. And here you are in what a lot of people in New Orleans would, would call a very weird place. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to fit, except, uh, you know, you've got uh, the long beard, mm-hmm. and you're young. You've got some tattoos and mm-hmm. things. So in a sense, I can kind of see you fitting in there. But still, you are very different from the people there. Uh, how do you see yourself relating? How is God using you uh, from Georgia down there? How does that work? I feel like appearance is certainly a part okay. of relating to the community, apart from sinning, sure, of, of sure. course. But um, I think that's a, a small part. But being relatable to the community we're in, it really goes, I think, across the board to any community. You just find out what they're about, um, what they like, what they don't like, and and basically you try to en- engage and relate to them on those things. Okay. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to like what they like, right. but our community is a, a artsy-type community, um, uh, like you said, a bohemian-type mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very relational community. Yes. So by relational, I mean people like to meet new people, have conversations, um, you know, learn about different people's backgrounds, beliefs, and things like that. So one of the best ways that we have been able to relate to the community is just being where the people are at. Yeah. There's a lot of coffee shops in our neighborhood, just the mom and pop, hole in the wall kind of coffee shop. People sit around and talk and read and play chess and different things like that. So we sit around and talk and read and play chess and things like that. (laughs) So I feel like if you just go where the people are at and uh, pursue the things that they are pursuing that are Mm community-based, then you can relate with just about anybody. And so people just are drawn to relationship. And so it doesn't really matter where that is. That's just sort of a foundational part of evangelism anywhere, I would think. Absolutely. I I think that's one of the keys mm-hmm. to evangelism is I would say most human beings desire relationships, whether they say they do or not. You know, I've met some people who will say, 
I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to be around people. I just want sure. to sit by myself. And I, I find it hard to believe that people actually feel really that way. Really feel that way. You know? Right, right, So right. I feel like everybody by design um, in some way talk. desires sure. human sure. relationships. So. Oh, I think so too. And um, now – I interviewed you for our Vision magazine. Mm-hmm. I'll put in a plug for that. This is one people can find online at our website, mm-hmm. this seminary website, and just a fabulous interview. And I remember uh, you telling me at that time that you have taught many people, uh, I think it was like 2,500 gospel conversations mm-hmm. you have had and had other people with you have had in Bywater. What is that like, sharing the gospel in Bywater? Whether it's a mission team that we bring in and train and send out to share the gospel, or whether it's myself or anybody in our church, um, it basically, big picture is you you teach people to, to not so much focus on how wide they can go and more on how deep they can go. So we always teach and train and promote Find that one okay. person that you can talk to or interact with and build a friendship with and okay. um, go the distance with that until they either get it or tell you to get lost kind of thing, which <laughs> okay. it, which has happened. Um, sure. So um, I, w- I would say that the way it looks is, again, whether it's mission mission team members or people in our churches, we train people to, to go for the relationship. Okay. Always, first and foremost, go for the relationship. And one of the best ways to do that is to allow people to talk about themselves and what they're about while you're asking questions. And, okay. Um, a lot of times, sometimes it's, we're just uncomfortable around people, but I think sometimes um, we just like to talk about ourselves. Yeah. Um, I, I tell people, like, let the other folks talk about who they are because studies show actually that the people that people like to talk about themselves themselves. most is themselves Mm so um we promote people just asking lots of questions getting to know them um go for an an interaction or a meeting say over dinner at your home in a coffee shop um really just be um intentional with we want to get to know you we want to be your friend and as you're doing that then you're communicating who you are as a Christian, and then the truths of of what it means to be a Christian. And I like to tell people in our neighborhood, at least, that a lot of times we want to go with the front of the train first. I kind of got this from <laughs> okay. from a book that I read. Um, it's like we want to start with the front of the train, like blast people with the truth at the forefront of the conversation. Okay. And um, while I certainly believe we need to get to the truth, in our neighborhood experience is hold, holds kind of – uh, a higher weight than anything. Okay. So I like to tell people, make sure you communicate sooner than later that you are a follower of Jesus and tell them what that means. Tell them, you know, what it means to be a Christian and how God has changed your life, not just when he converted you, but, you know, many people will tell you when you're talking to them, well, I'm struggling with depression or suicide yes. or different things like that, that everybody struggles with. Like, tell them how God you know, helped you through those things. And that personal experience is kind of getting them comfortable to hearing the nuts and bolts of the truth of what the gospel is. And then we get to the truth. And it's usually backwards Mm -hmm. when we think about evangelism. It's like, well, we got to do one, two, three, take it or leave it. This is kind of it. And I have done it every which kind of way you could think (laughs) of. And I found that 
telling people that I'm a follower of Christ and what that means and um, even using some of their experiences in life to connect with, well, when I was going through this or, or even in 2017 yes. when I went through cancer, that yes. was used mightily by the Lord just to be like, look, yeah, I, I went through cancer. I had chemo. You know, I, I like anybody else, was like my life is, could be over at any moment, but this is how God got me through that, so... Well, this is, uh, I think this is a very important point that you have, have latched onto, mm-hmm. and that is uh, listening for their need mm-hmm. and then right there saying something that brings Christ into that. Absolutely. And uh, have you ever heard of the 15-second testimony, by the way? Uh, I don't believe so. It is something that I think some missionaries are using mm-hmm. where you, you make that transition in 15 seconds. For example, um, if you're hearing them say that they're struggling with depression, mm-hmm. you might say something like, you know, that's something that I have even struggled with, but I realize uh, that the Bible says God loves me, and now my life is, is uh, I'm not so depressed. What is that? Is that your story? Do you have a story like that? And it turns it around very quickly, Absolutely. like you're saying. Absolutely. That's, that's very good. I like that. Um, in the interview that we did about a year ago, you mentioned that you felt like people are looking for peace. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. Do you run into that in Bywater where people are hungry, looking for something? I run into that, and I would say the people in our church run into that probably more than anything. And, and by peace, I mean kind of mentioned depression and suicide and different things like that earlier but it seems like everybody you talk to um at least in our neighborhood is is just struggling in their mind if you will with different things just life fear okay um you know the just different things that life gives us that causes people to struggle seems like yeah covid definitely (laughs) has been a big one um it seems like everybody that's that's what it goes back to okay is just some kind of i don't have peace right now so they're trying to get it through all different kinds of things through relationships that are not good for them through drugs through um just these other spiritual avenues that that are available in our neighborhood so i i feel like that um most people are are seeking that and and then i know that we have peace through Christ. Yes. So mentioning that transition, that's definitely been one of the things that we've taught our people to do is um, once you get into the spiritual conversation, like mm-hmm. we, we break up our training into three parts. It's okay. casual conversation, spiritual conversation, and then gospel conversation. So okay. I like to tell people as you are getting to know people and having casual conversation, don't get in a hurry in that to to – you know, get into any gospel conversation, let them talk and you okay. talk and get to know them. And once you transition into spiritual conversation, and it typically happens, I would definitely say with some kind of, you know, peace seeking thing or yes. some kind of trouble that they're having, you know, those right. are spiritual things. Right. Like if someone says, well, I'm depressed right now, then we might ask them, well, what do you do to help with your depression? And right. sometimes it's right. um, a substance or a relationship or an activity or something like that. And kind of like what you said, um, we like to transition and tell what helps us very quickly. Like, well, when I'm mm-hmm. depressed and I've struggled as well, yes. you know, this is how I, I find hope and, and healing and even um, get out of it. 
Yeah. You know, because a lot of people will say, like, I just don't know what to do. I don't right. I don't feel like this is ever gonna end. And I've personally yeah. experienced God just deliver me from all sorts of things that, that I thought the same things, but mm-hmm. then, you know, God God came through. So that's kinda how we go about it. It um, makes a lot of sense. And yeah. um People are seeking, though, just for, for peace, and people are seeking for truth. Yes. Also, I, I really believe that, but truth in our neighborhood is, well, you believe your truth to be truth, and I believe my truth to right, be my truth. Right. So I can tell them the truth from the very beginning, and I'd say this, thousands of people have from the very beginning said, well, I don't believe that's true, so I don't either want to discuss it anymore, or you can believe it's true, but I don't believe it's true. And All right. Um, well, I'd like to stop you right there yes, and talk okay. about some of those times Absolutely. when it's been very hard, when you've run up to resistance, so it happens pretty often? I would say it happens eight out of ten wow. conversations. Okay. Um, here lately, it seems like now that COVID has Phase one of COVID, I guess, has came, and now we're entering into a a different phase. Um, I would say that there's more of an openness in our community, like like way more of an openness. It's really been kind of blowing my mind. Um, So now more people are curious to what we believe truth is, and I feel like it's just the the reality of death and just how quickly life can be over it's gotten people to think and also people have slowed down in life the mm-hmm. the nightlife or activities you know for a year or so was called mm-hmm. off so people have been stuck at home or whatever like that so um but up to this point it's definitely been uh, most people just i don't care about your truth i don't yeah. believe it's true and uh I, I, I do like to say though that we want to communicate what we believe is true as soon as possible, and we never compromise what is true. And I, I feel like missions and missionaries, especially in a lot of places in America, will fall into that sometimes. Like we want to compromise our beliefs or what we believe to be true so that we can fit in or whatever right. like that. And right. I'm of the strong belief that um, we can't do that, and nor yes. do I want to do right. that. And one of the things that I have heard in the past um, is authenticity is your greatest apologetic. So being upfront with what you believe to be truth from the start of the relationship is actually a great apologetic. I think that's it, a, it that disproves good. the yes. faith whenever you compromise. Right. So right. Um, well, this is a tough day mm-hmm. to be that authentic when right. we're talking about the faith, especially in a day where um, sexual revolution and just different things are going on around us and people automatically peg christians as being um intolerant means you know the adjectives go on and on right and uh so but but you're finding that maybe am i hearing you say that you've been there long enough and now that things are changing that maybe people are a little more open to hearing what you have to say i feel like new people mm-hmm. have been open but what okay. i'm also seeing is we've been there for about 6 years okay. doing this work and i'm also seeing the some of the people that we met and established relationships with in the very beginning so mm-hmm. we've got 3 to 5 year relationships those people are also just now starting to be open to well let's look at the bible together and things wow. like that and i was told and and read in a book 
in the beginning, it's going to take five to seven years, Okay. Um, you know, in theory, for people just to be interested in, in, you know, what you say is true. And I kind of honestly, I laughed at that and thought, we're going to put up the sign, <laughs> we're going to do this, that, and the other, and, you know, the people, people are going to come. come, and that's not at all what we experienced, and I've learned a lot through that, but we're at year six, and, and I personally and many people in our church have, you know, several year relationships, okay. three to five year relationships that those people are even now like, let's read the Bible. Let's look at what the Bible says. Whereas in the beginning, they're like, I don't want to touch the book. I don't want to yeah. read the book. I think the book is false. So get it away from me. Um, so I truly feel like in places like our neighborhood and, and many other neighborhoods that uh, patience and longevity is the key to basically seeing the the gospel the and the church is established and fruit. And if you're not willing to do that, then you don't need to be there. Sounds like it all comes down to relationship. Then. Absolutely. You've just got to stay, stay, be their friend, stay focused, keep going. Yes. Are you a ministry wife? Do you long for community and encouragement from like-minded women? Do you wish you were more prepared for all that you do? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I'd love to invite you to join Thrive. This is our Ministry Wives Certificate Program that prepares women for gospel ministry in their families, churches, and communities. Our eight-week classes can be taken on our New Orleans campus or online. You just choose whatever fits your schedule best. For more information or to apply, visit prepareher.com slash thrive. All right, so then I want to ask you this, because that's pretty scary to a lot of people. I mean, that scares me just hearing that, uh, getting yelled at, getting turned away. So Mm -hmm. do you consider yourself just very unique, Justin, or or can God use anybody? Tell me about your call. How How would someone even know they're called to something that takes as much courage sometimes as you have to have? As far as my calling goes, when I was 18, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I'd, I'd never really been discipled one-on-one and okay. honestly just went to church yeah. Sundays and Wednesdays <laughs> and didn't pay attention half the time. I was a Christian, but I just sure. didn't have anybody walking with me. And when I was 18, I was called into the ministry and all I knew I was supposed to do was go preach. Okay. Like that was what I was called to do. And I thought that meant the only thing that I could do is stand before a church and preach to a congregation, which I love to do and do that today. Um, But it wasn't until I got to New Orleans to go to school that I realized what missions was and what church planning was and, you know, how how preaching has a lot of different levels. You know, there's there's evangelism through conversation. There's evangelism from the pulpit. There's evangelism through uh, service and acts and things like that. But it was when I got here that I realized what that can look like, and that's when it all started to kind of unfold in my own life, and God began to reveal to me even some of my spiritual gifts and things like that to know that I desired to be and that God was calling me to do missions, church planning-type ministry. Um, But I'm a firm believer that every believer that has, you know— 
a conversion experience and has Christ living in them is called to share their faith yes. and can do it, whether okay. they're an introvert, okay. an extrovert, a middle vert, or whatever <laughs> vert you are. I say that to everybody. That doesn't come into um, um, factor right. in the sense of sharing right. your faith, because I do believe that the Lord will equip us to do that. Um, but I do believe also that people are gifted yes. in in certain ways to to do that um and i would say that my giftings are more like missionary church planning okay um kind of giftings which is that usually consist of pastor preacher okay evangelism right. Right. leadership kind of stuff like that and i'm growing in all of those but i i train everybody that comes through our church and then every mission team member how and to go out and do lot. it and say if you're yeah. willing to to try, then God will use you. And yes. I've had 13-year-olds, 33-year-olds, even had a 90-year-old one time come yeah. and, and just go out and be like, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to try. And they followed the instructions and stuff and like that. And they were able to do it and, and be effective. Okay, so let me ask you this. When you get someone that gets angry mm-hmm. because you're sharing or talking about the Lord, you're talking about your faith, how do you handle when you walk away, mm-hmm. and maybe it's gone badly, what do you tell yourself? How do you handle right. that rejection? Well, for starters, we uh, we center everything on prayer. So Great. you're praying before you go into the conversation. You're praying during it. And then afterwards, you're just praying afterwards that God would do something okay. in their heart. Now, I'll... I'll just be honest, in the beginning, I used to get my feelings hurt a little yeah. bit, if you know what I mean. I'd get offended <laughs> yes. and things like that. And the Lord has humbled me tremendously through this process. And um, honestly, walking away from a conversation that's gone south to where they've totally rejected it, and even we've experienced people getting very hostile and mm-hmm. stuff like that, walking away from that really, it kind of just breaks you a little bit and it, it's more, in a sense, for it breaks you for the person. And it, yes. and it kind of reminds me and, and others within our church just how our job truly is to plant and water the, the seeds of the gospel. Okay. And clearly, there's nothing that we can say or do that, that can, you know, in our own power, right. convince somebody right. to do anything. Right. It just really makes you come to the realization that, God's the one that raises them from the dead yes. and makes them a new person. And it kind of, I've learned to see that as it takes the pressure off of you to, well, did I fail or did I succeed? Right. Because right. when I went into this whole thing, I had big dreams and hopes of doing this, that, and the other. And about a year into it, I realized I can't even get the people to talk to me right now. <laughs> and um, my, uh, boss, if you will, with Nam George Ross. Sure, he, yes. I remember him having a conversation with me one time and just reminded me of our job is to be faithful. And that's always stuck with me because right, he said right. that if you can go to bed at night and say, well, I've been faithful at trying to, mm-hmm. to do this, whatever God's told me to do today and what God's calling us to do, and I've been faithful at that, then that's that's our goal. That's, that's our true goal. goal, and that's our right. aim. So right. I'm learning to walk away from disappointing conversations just okay. in a state of prayer. And uh, honestly, though, I, I like um, doing what I do. I like to talk to people and um, just see the light bulbs go off yes. and to see God actually working in them. Yeah. And um, I like 
this may sound bad, but the challenge of it all. Sure. Um, that's one of the things that has really drawn me to even unreach or hard to reach people groups is just I want to go to where the people well, don't hard. want it, okay. where it's most needed, basically, and uh, just be a vessel of the Lord um, and communicating what it is. So, and, and you have been there long enough. I'm also hearing that some of those hard conversations mm-hmm. are now paying off. Yes, I am seeing that unfold just like crazy. Even in the last year and a half, um, basically now, at least for me personally, I I have more people that I have talked to in the past that if I had the time of day every day to right. interact and, and get with all of them, there wouldn't be enough hours in the day to really um, follow up and, yes. and yeah. continue those conversations. But they're interested. Yeah. So um, that is a, a good thing because yeah. in the past, you know, we thought nobody's interested. <laughs> Nobody will ever be interested. So yeah. I, d- I do believe that now we're in a time um, after having been there for six years, um, people are are seeking, and, and we have to utilize this time. And we're, we're definitely praying that God would send us uh, laborers to yes, help, laborers yes. that share the same you know, vision as we have and are willing to do the same things so, that we're doing. So so that's a reason to even come to New Orleans, to come to the seminary. Absolutely. Uh, to follow God's call here and prepare here. Absolutely. Uh, and we do say at seminary, if you prepare here, you can serve anywhere. Absolutely. And uh, you can come and, and work alongside Justin and the members of his church and see how it is to share in a place where maybe it is a little hard. Absolutely. But it's not always hard, is it? Sometimes it's not hard to share with somebody there. You do run across people who God has put in your path Absolutely. at the right time. Absolutely. Yeah. Just this past Sunday, we had at a community meal that we do once a month, um, several people that were just ready to listen and hear. And, awesome. Um, they didn't put their faith in Christ, but they, they were eager to hear what we had to say and, yeah. and dialogue with some of our people. So it, it's not always yeah. just this hostility, right, right. you know, but um, we're definitely seeing all different kinds of conversations. That's awesome. And, and I would add in there, too, that okay. our two elders in our church right now that in the last year we've recently made elders are okay. our current NOBTS students. Awesome. So um, we have a lot of students that come and, and work with us, and we're grateful Certainly for that. Well, I'm, I have heard nothing but good things about your church, and, and for that reason that they get to come and really see the gospel change lives. Absolutely. And they get to experience what it's like to, to talk to people in all kinds of situations Absolutely. with all kinds of views. Uh, before we close, I would like to ask you about what a child needs to see. I want to focus mm. on children for a moment because you have six children. Yes. They are seeing this. They are seeing the, the hard times and the really rewarding times. Mm-hmm. What do you think a child needs to see in, uh, in order to be convinced that Jesus is real and this faith is something to hold on to? What would you say? I, I'll be honest with you. Just thinking through that question beforehand, yeah. it kind of it's one of those heart yes quenching questions if you know what i mean and um having six kids of my own that's that's something that i think about often but to make it a shorter answer i think authenticity yes 
has to be there or that all they see is hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like there's a difference in hypocrisy and we are still broken human beings that right. are going to mess up. And what right. we do with that yeah. is what the kids need to see. And, and yes. that goes with families, that goes with the church, that goes with across the board. And um, I, I personally believe couple of things if if the kids say in a christian home like their parents are christians see and experience a home to where their parents actually follow christ they Mm -hmm. don't just go to church Mm -hmm. and do the things that they're supposed to do if they actually follow jesus and um, pursue living on mission then that is setting them up to see my parents actually believe number one what they say they believe but they also believe what this book they say they believe says you're supposed to believe. So I feel like if they see that, and one thing I've even experienced myself is just if they see a parent, a mom or a dad, if if the kids can see that, or even a church leader or some other Christian in the church, if they see them struggle, confess, repent, Mm, experience God's grace, change, and do the whole process that we're called to do, in humility, I truly believe that that, that really That's changes powerful. things for a kid because right. kids are struggling with sin themselves. And sure. if they see hypocrisy and like, well, I can't ever mess up, think about, you know, a, a pastor's kids or a missionary's right. kids, for example. Like they're always, ex, you know, expected or whatever to be perfect. And um, I feel like a lot of that expectation can come from their parents. Um, and and yes. I just like to tell, like, if I mess up or I, um, even mess up with one of my kids or something. Maybe I lose it with them or something sure, like that. I sure. I want to to go to them and and repent, you know, mm-hmm. and say mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you know, I, I I did this, I overreacted, whatever. And I have truly seen, even doing that with my own kids, and you know, even doing that with my wife, right. you know, in front of right. the kids, um, I have seen just just kind of like this light bulb go off in their head, like they wow, did it. like that, right. That is actually real. Now, again, never we're never going to perfect it, but if they can see someone actually following Jesus, not just in their public life, but their private life, and by following Jesus, I, I truly mean like pursuing perfection, but when yes. they fail, they confess and repent and, and do all of that. And I think that's one of the main things. And then the other thing is like they need to, the kids need to be studying the Bible at a young age, okay. not just being taught the stories, but they need one-on-one discipleship. I personally believe from even someone other than their parents um, to where they can ask questions and um, dialogue about theology. I, my kids, since a very young age, even like five and six years old, uh, will, will ask me questions like a theological question, and they genuinely want to know question that adults don't even consider and when they're taught those things like who god is from an early age from the bible um obviously god is the one that raises them from the dead too and brings them to himself i I feel like when they're taught what what it all means and and just what the bible actually is and how it plays out in your life then um they're more likely to to believe and commit and you know they may sway away for a time, but they're sure. more likely to it, it to be real and authentic. But I, I feel like they get 
um, the short end of the deal on discipleship a lot of times. But I also believe in one-on-one or personal discipleship. I think Mm -hmm. that's something that is um, needed, not just with adults, but with kids as well, where there's there's accountability. Right. Um, Kids need accountability. It may Mm -hmm. look different than adults, but they need to be asked, you know, how's your thought life? You know, things like that. You'd be surprised um, how many major sin problems start with just a little thought oh, absolutely. as a kid right. and because no one's really right. discipling them. They just don't know what to do with it, and then it turns into something bigger. Uh, so, Boy, now that's, that's almost another podcast absolutely. right there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think that is – you've given us a lot of good things to think about here. And, um, and I, I do think it's interesting that kids – We'll recognize what's authentic mm-hmm. as well as adults in the world that maybe at the moment don't like Christianity, right. but they respond to what's authentic. Absolutely. Justin, this has been very, very good. I appreciate all that you're doing for the Lord, and um, I just appreciate how uh, you are staying brave, staying strong, but you do this out of love. It's yes. just clear to me that you really care for people. And I just think that's fabulous. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'll have you back. Sounds great. Thank you. Hey, it's Gary and Joe here again. Would you do us a favor? If you like this podcast, go to iTunes and leave us a review. This would mean the world to us. Thanks.